This is Amber Ojeda, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Super engineer producer Bruce Swedeen has passed away. He was 86 years old. I'm John Bowden from Rocky Street Music. His daughter released the following statement this morning. My dad passed away peacefully last night, November 16th. He was 86. A legend in the music industry for over 65 years and a five-time Grammy winner. He was best known for his work with Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, and many more. He had a long life full of love, great music, big boats, and a beautiful marriage. We will celebrate that life. He was loved by everyone. There's a good video on YouTube where Bruce is talking about his multiple Grammy nominations, and he mentions the one that really meant the most was Thriller by Michael Jackson. He first came to prominence around 1962 for the Four Seasons songs, Big Girls Don't Cry. And he worked with a lot of folks, Count Basie, Art Blakey, Duke Ellington, Dizzy Gillespie, Benny Goodman, Lionel Hampton, the aforementioned Quincy Jones, Oscar Peterson, Herbie Hancock, and the pop records with Patty Austin, Natalie Cole, Roberta Flack, Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, Diana Ross, Shaka Khan with Rufus, Barbara Streisand, and Donna Summer, just to name a few. And anyone who's ever seen an interview with Bruce, you'd see that he was such a um, humble guy, considering all the work that he had done. I mean, when you work on Thriller, just start and stop right there. The biggest selling album in the world. And it was Bruce Swedeen who had said that Michael Jackson was probably one of the most professional people he had ever worked with in the studio. And that meant an awful lot to Bruce Swedeen, you know, going into the studio and getting the job done. May he rest in peace.
Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have some amazing developments to uh, discuss in the world of music. Two of them, in fact. One of them is a bit of a milestone, and another, unfortunately, is the end of an era. We lost the legendary recording engineer, Bruce Swedinge. Uh, he has been uh, an incredible imprint on the world of music recording and artistry. And uh, I want to talk about him. And we have the 20th anniversary of Erica Badu's release of Mama's Gun. Oh, yes. So we're going to be talking about Erica Badu's Mama's Gun. Give her some heartbeat props because she's very much still with us, even though she got COVID in one nostril and not the other. We're going to talk about her and we're definitely going to give some love to Bruce Lee. So to help me have this conversation, this illustrious panel, they've all been here before, but in different capacities. So I'm reduce. I'm going to introduce my uh, returning champs uh, first. This good sister and this good brother, I'll know them well. They, they, they have my back. They have y'all's back. They be dropping insight and information that you won't get anywhere else. And uh, I'm just so very, very fortunate to be able to call them friends. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, a legendary musical journalist and artist in her own right, Juliana Bolden, and the inimitable good brother, legendary music journalist, journalist and drummer, Mr. A. Scott Galloway. Juliana, Scott, are you back? Hey, Juliana J. Bolden right here. So, so happy to be back in the house. Love happy having you in full effect. What's up, Scott? In the house, baby. What's going on, bro? And I got a uh, bought some other people, uh, Juliana and Scott. You uh, bought some friends. I got some friends. But uh, we, we I, I didn't want you to be alone as the lone sister. You be holding it down, Jules. But uh, I didn't want you to be alone this time. Um, you know, we held you down last time too. But this good sister is a recording engineer in Southern California. She's worked with the likes of legendary producers. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Michael Jackson a little bit in just a second. But she's worked with one of his. Of former producers, Mr. Rodney Jerkins. She's also been a recording engineer for Kendrick Lamar's Top Dog Records. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, recording engineer, Octavia Landix. Miss Landix, yes. are you there? Yes, hello. I am. Hello, hello. What's going on? Welcome back. It's been a couple of minutes. Good to have you back, Octavia. Man. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, absolutely. And rounding out this uh, talented all-star panel, this good brother, he and I go way back. Uh, he goes mm. by the name of Third Son. Some people just call him John, but the, the, the good brother is just a cool, low-key, humble, but the cat is super <laughs> talented. He's uh, currently uh, working on some music right now, probably as we speak. He's with a conglomerate called the Trilaterals that consists of himself, uh, legendary LA DJ Christy Lomax, and of course, legendary DJ DJ Al Jackson. This brother rounds out that trio called the Trilaterals, so be on the lookout for them. He's also a recording engineer who has uh, a Grammy nomination in his back pocket. Uh, this good <laughs> brother is just all that. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, third son, Myers. <laughs> John, what's yes, going sir. on? Hey, hey. What's happening? What's happening? Oh, man, so good to hear your voice. Well, Scott, John, Octavia, Juliana, uh, let, let's go a little Bruce Wedeen first. Um, of course, the, the big one comes to mind when I think about this loss. Uh, let me go to Octavia and John first, Scott and Juliana. Um, you two are the recording engineers here. Um, and not that Juliana and Scott probably have not seen their fair share of soundboards, so no disrespect to y'all, but Octavia and John, when you think about somebody of this caliber 
uh, who's passed on and thinking about the traditions of uh, recording excellence that he leaves for people like John and yourself, Octavia. Uh, what do you think about when you think about the career, life, and times of the great Bruce Swedine, Miss Octavia Landix? Well, you know, firstly, it's, you know, it's such a huge loss, you know, so, you know, definitely like my condolences go out, you know, to him, you know, to his family and everyone in his industry that, you know, was impacted by his work. Um, you know, just his, uh, his, his contribution, of course, you know, the biggest one that we know of is, you know, Michael Jackson's, you know, Thriller album, you know, I mean, yes. that album, uh, it was just such an imprint uh, sonically, you know, to the contribution of music, yeah. just the way everything sounded. Um, and, you know, back then, um, you know, it, it was the 80s, you know, like 82. And so digital recording um, Wasn't had, you, you know, well, <laughs> a, well actually it, it made its way on the scene. It, it, it broke the scene, but he decided that he wanted to record everything analog before mm. running it through the new digital uh, processing that was out. So even, wow. even within that, it still added to uh, the sonics of the album and the way it was, you know, recorded. It was, to me, it was, it was a, amazing technique, you know. Wow. Um, it still added all that warmth and, and everything. Mm. And then when it went through digitally, you know, you had the, the, the digital experience with the brightness and the processing, so. Wow. Um, I mean, he really did pave, pave the way in how a lot of us think and approach things. Absolutely. John, what yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I remember being young and getting into engineering. He, that was the first engineer I ever heard of was Bruce mm -hmm. Wedding. Mm. You know, and that, that he just kind of like shined a light on that kind of field and that kind of career. And uh, I mean, I was interested as a, as a young person getting into engineering. Then as I was reading up into uh, some of his things he's done, I didn't know that he, I guess he found out how to sync two tape machines together. Yeah, yeah, He was the yeah. first person that did that. They called oh, it okay. sound or something. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that was then, that was, uh, that was a big ass deal to have 48 tracks. I mean, <laughs> you know, I tell you know what it is. I mean, it wasn't like a notion. It was more than a notion. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of shit going on. Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of like technologies I had to sync up together yeah. consistently over time and time and time. And, um, you know, that was a feat in itself right there. But and that's I ain't even getting into him, the sonics and, you yeah. know, just the mixing and just the way things sounded. Just, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, just well, a big deal. This man, I mean, so many things that leaped out of the radio at you this man recorded and I'm talking all the way back to big girls don't cry I mean mm. we all know that I mean just like you know he puts you what when I when I wrote about him on Facebook I said my opening line was there's a fundamental fathoms deep difference between recordings that sound good and ones that place you inside of an environment and, ah. in, and so oh. I'm telling you that oh. big girls don't cry a bunch of Eddie Harris records. I mean, you know, jazz things that, you know, Eddie liked to do a lot of experimentation with instruments, electrifying acoustic instruments and brass and, and mixing things like a, a saxophone uh, mouthpiece with a trumpet and all this stuff. Mm. And, and Bruce was able to work with, because he had done so much stuff with, you know, straight up jazz, you know, quartet, you know, just miking 
a band and getting you know the full room sounds and all that to dealing with electronics. I mean, this is we're talking late '60s, early '70s, and he was right. integrating all of that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. um, and then you get to something like "Old Girl" by the Shy Lights, and and you think about the wow. way that harmonica was placed, and it just put you on a train ride somewhere. You know, it's like you're just, you know, feeling the pain, you know. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, that's from Shy Lights and their wonderful vocal harmonies and a great song and a, a whole setup. But, you know, Bruce was able to take that whole story and create the movie in your mind, you know, and, uh -huh. and when it's a thriller. Come on, man. A thrill the song thriller is is something else, just from the, you know, the sound effects and the layering of uh, of of the instruments and and the breakdown is my favorite part when you know after you know you have all this the horns and synthesizers and all the just mm -hmm. grandiose things going on and then Michael just hits that ow and it's boom boom mm -hmm. he, I mean, it just yeah. drops it drops into like it's like and and you're aware I mean it's such a dope moment that you are aware of man this was recorded so well but i have to say that my favorite song on thriller the one that really puts me in an environment is uh, human nature come and, on I mean, yes. uh, how did he do that and he did it again with yeah. george benson on star of a story but it's like this this mm. pool that he drops you into man um human nature made me feel like i was floating floating yeah, yeah thank was you thinking that mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. i mean you know and all the yeah. elements you know i mean you know so he you know he brought a serious magic to musical recording that was more like motion picture stuff and and he was doing it as far back as frankie valley in the fourth season the girls don't cry all the way up to Michael stuff, man. So I had the opportunity to meet him briefly when Quincy Jones uh, put out that record. Uh, I believe it was Q's Juke Joint. And they had a yes. big party at um, the complex. And um, I mean, that, that day, a whole bunch of people swirled in my atmosphere that I only got to just look at Joe Zawinul, Sarah Vaughn was there. Um, so many folks, Bruce Ooh. was walking around, you know, I mean, these people, and there were so many cool folks and they all knew each other that I didn't get a chance to just, you know, stick my hand out, you know, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to disturb anybody. I was just so happy to be in the presence of all of those folks. <laughs> swing at giving some heartbeat props to the 20th anniversary of Erica Badu's Mama's Gun. Who's got the guts to step up and take that one? <laughs> I say ladies first. Ladies oh. first? Oh. <laughs> hey, I'll, t I'll take that. One right of the on. things about Deanna Mama's Gun, uh, I'm... I don't. I actually don't have a whole lot of super, super specific things to say about each song on Mama's Gun as a collective. Of, you know that that it's a classic. That that's a foregone conclusion. What is striking to me on Mama's Gun is the personnel. We're talking yeah. about any any time you have. Put it this way: if you're an artist, it's really good to be friends with the Roots because. Uh what happens when you end up in sessions with 
you know, Quest Thompson and everybody in that whole crew is is nothing short of magic. And right. her relationship with them um, was just one of the many things that, you know, we love them for as far as what they've been able to create aside from being a band. But also, Betty Wright, I believe, in uh -huh. Danby, uh, Jack Dijonet. Yes. yes. Uh, there was a song on there featuring Steve Marley. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say that as compelling as an artist as she is by her damn self, Come on. the people that she works with, uh, she also celebrates and she's always got great people around her. And I think that even fans, when you go to see her live, you can see why she's a person that really uses herself as well as her voice as an instrument. It feels like a part of the band, even though she's very much a solo artist. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things I'm able to appreciate about her, um, just as the person who's able to use her whole self as an instrument and mm -hmm. everybody and, and, and appreciate everybody that is a part of, of her world. And, those are just those are just some of the people that appear on Mama's Gun. Wow, how about that, Octavia? Oh man, pressure. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, Mama's Gun. You know, I remember when I when I first heard that album, like I just played it over and over and over and mm -hmm. over, like for you know, just I was like, oh my god, like this album is so amazing and. You know, looking back now, you know, 20 years later, it's just, it just stands the test of time. Like, you know, something I really appreciate, um, you know, of course, we know uh, Erica Badu is just, you know, like she's just um, timeless, you know, to my opinion, um, with mm -hmm. her approach to everything and especially the, just the, the musicianship um, caliber that she brings in all in all of her all of her music and I'm, I'm a big fan of like soul music and jazz music mm -hmm. and you know what I mean like you know I played in all of that so I have such a huge appreciation I, I love live music to begin with you know I just do so um you know the storytelling on it um even the name of the titles like you know I just remember ah. um looking at some of the titles on this record and, you know, I was just like, you know, what's the name of this song? Like, like, like Orange Moon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was just like, you know, like it, it to me, it's just like, there's a story when you li listening to, to this album, mm -hmm. I felt like I could just imagine, like there's so many colors that I see. And um, it's just like, a, you're taking on this journey mm -hmm. to me, you know, listening to this album. And I mean, I, I mean, it's only, I don't know what else to say, but like, it's just a, it, to me, it's a monument, you know, of, of, of Erica's. And I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, gonna, it's gonna be known for, you know, the next 20 years and 20 years after that, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I loved when Erica Badu made her debut because um, she just brought a whole nother level of depth and, uh, and, and blackness and culture to what was going on uh, in that early 90s. 
time period, you know, for, for R&B. I mean, she just came out of nowhere and, and mm -hmm. grabbed everybody's imagination. I remember when she came to our office at Urban Network and she had on her, you know, her gown and, you know, her head wrap and, you know, she walked in, kicked off her shoes and was, you know, signing stuff for everybody and talking. And she grabbed my coworker, Tasha, has these kind of like cheeks, you know, chubby little cheeks. And, and Erica came over and, and uh, just, like, she really was so personable and just such a, a, a spirit, you know. And, mm. and I, I remember seeing her perform uh, the Baduism Badu album from top to bottom at the Key Club. In, uh, mm -hmm. in Hollywood and just the whole vibe with the incense and the, the tea, yes. you know, and the band and to your point and Dombi back there with the Afro, you could not miss her. You knew she was going to be stepping out at some yep. point because she just drawing, you know, her own level of focus. And I also love the way that um, I think what Juliana was saying, it's, it's it, no, Octavia was saying it, it's the whole experience. There's, it doesn't stop. You know, there's segues, yeah. instrumental segues moving you through things. There's jazz, there's R&B, there's Africa, there's Caribbean in there. And, uh, she, and she's just really celebrating our culture more than anything and, and trying to uplift us and remind us of where we came from, who we are, and that all of that stuff is dope. You know, from the most good things about us to the most mm -hmm. elevated things about us. You know, we are a deep people. And that's what I really appreciated about Erica Badu overall. But, um, you know, and she went on to do more great stuff. But yeah, I think it's great that people are really celebrating this album and the transition that she made so quickly from Baduism to Mama's Gun. Because I think, you know, I'm sure that Kidar uh, Entertainment and, and Mo, uh, she was on Motown, yes, yeah, so like through Universal MCA. I'm sure they just wanted another Baduism and she did not. Well, yeah. She and did a whole, she went that. a whole nother direction. And, um, and I don't know, I was reading that she thought that uh, because it didn't sell as well as Baduism that it, it had yeah. been a failure, but I never looked at her as, you know, she wasn't a Mariah Carey or, or a Whitney uh -huh. Houston where, you know, you're expecting multi, multi-million copies of albums sold you know i think she sold the first million because she was so unique you know right. it was such a great experience and i'm glad that she continued on her road to being nothing but and unapologetically herself that's right mm, yeah. you know, what yeah. what stood out for me as i was listening to you scott we, we got a couple minutes left um it reminded me of your take on uh, when Tina Marie did uh, Irons in the Fire, how mm. they, they wanted her to play it safe, but she took some chances with uh, Irons in the Fire, as did uh, Badu with this one. Because as you said, they probably wanted another Baduism. But as soon as you turn on Mama's Gun, she's opening with uh, a rocked out jam called Penitentiary Philosophy. She's like, no, nah, this, no, nah, player, that, that, that ain't what's going down on this one. This is Mama's Gun. Funkadelic, <laughs> <laughs> baby. Funkadelic. And she and had. And that's the second album. So she was in yeah. the sophomore, you know, looking at the sophomore slump situation. Absolutely. You know, having those nerves. Yeah. You know, to yep. go in that direction. I mean, when, when you think about. Strong. She's exactly. already shutting Joy down. It's like, okay, Joy, I see you coming. I see you coming, but I, I mean, got that too. Yeah. But you saw <laughs> what happened with before her generation was uh, Terrence Trent Darby. He was not able to recapture the initial magic of that Hardline album. And he mm -hmm. went like in a completely different direction. It doesn't always work, you know what I'm saying? I mean, commercially, but as an artistic statement, 
if it's a solid piece of work, it will definitely withstand the test of time. Well, I tell you, uh, uh, one last thing for me about uh, Mama's Gun, and I thank you so much, all, all four of y'all, for your takes on this. Um, I remember, you know, John, I keep reflecting back to my time down in Southern California. I was sitting in the KCRW studios with Garth Trinidad and the great producer King Britt was in the studio with us. King Britt is the producer for the Diggable Planets back in the day. Uh, cool like that, just in case you, you youngins don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> King Britt and I were sitting in the studio. Garth Trinidad was hosting his show and he put on Green Eyes and he said, this is the best track on the album. And, of course, a few years have gone by since the album came out, but it was just one of those sleeper tracks that you have to really sit and listen to it and listen to the story and just listen to all the mood shifts. And I just recall, you know, the standout thing for me in that moment was Garth kind of looked at him, you know, as he, we were just all vibing to the music. And then we were conversating as the song was playing, but then there was a moment there was just silence and the song was playing. And then Garth kind of frowned a little bit and turned to King Brick. He's like, wait, this is on Mama's Gun? And Britt said, yeah, man, I'm t I told you, it's the deepest track on the album, best song on the album. It's about Andre, bro, she, she came with it. So yeah. I have to say that um, it, it's an amazing album. And uh, one more thing about Dilla, um, I had a chance to meet Dilla once in my entire life. Uh, one of the great photographers in Southern California, Nathan Israel, uh, had the uh, temerity and generosity just randomly. I didn't even know who was there uh venue we were playing at one night john and he just took me over to the table and said hey mm. uh, this is dj rome uh one of the best djs in la i'm not saying i'm worthy of that praise but i'm just saying that was incredibly generous of him uh i met nice. Dilla, uh, i met dilla dilla uh the wow. legendary beat maker straight out of amp fiddler and p-funk um, mm -hmm. uh, tribe called quest and all that stuff without dilla uh we wouldn't be talking about Erica Badu's Mama's Gun. This is this yep. is a Dilla track. Didn't you know? Just just lit it up. So, uh, mm -hmm. Rome, you know say, what you're uh, hitting on there is ahead, that dude. greatness is generous. Sure, greatness yeah. greatness is generous. Scott just told us a story about this artist coming into the office, squeezing somebody's cheeks, and let me tell you something. As a alumni of you know record magazines and trades and things like that a lot of artists they they they, they come in they want to make sure they know who you are or, excuse me that you know who they are and there's not a lot of spirits that can take time to like squeeze some you know to, to, to even notice people in the room other than themselves and for you to wow. be noticed mm -hmm. by a great person who is like this is one of the best djs in la sort of thing even if a person doesn't necessarily mean it on a deep level, just taking the time to acknowledge others possesses a sense of, I, I feel, of appreciation that we don't always get from some folks who might achieve the same level of notoriety or they might achieve some fleeting financial uh, success. Greatness that lives on is so generous that it actually forgets itself sometimes that's why she probably didn't value mama's gun 20 years ago the way that we value it now i'm just glad that she's here to get her flowers and to dance in them and smell them and all of those things 
Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. also want to thank our very special guest for the evening, Mr. A. Scott Galloway, Octavia Landix, Juliana J. Bolden, John Third Son Myers, and of course, Dr. Flo John Kofer, a.k.a. Dr. Flo. Also want to send a special shout out to Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care. Hey, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have some amazing developments to uh, discuss in the world of music. Two of them, in fact. One of them is a bit of a milestone and another, unfortunately, is the end of an era. We lost the legendary recording engineer, Bruce Swedeen. Uh, He has been uh, an incredible imprint on the world of music recording and artistry. And uh, I want to talk about him. And we have the 20th anniversary of Erica Badu's release of Mama's Gun. Oh, yes. So we're going to be talking about Erica Badu's Mama's Gun. Give her some heartbeat props because she's very much still with us, even though she got COVID in one nostril and not the other. We're going to talk about her. And we're definitely going to give some love to Bruce Wittin. So to help me have this conversation, this illustrious panel, they've all been here before, but in different capacities. So I'm reduce, I'm going to introduce my uh, returning champs uh, first. This good sister and this good brother, y'all know them well. They, they, they have my back. They have y'all's back. They be dropping insight and information that you won't get anywhere else. And uh, I'm just so very, very fortunate to be able to call them friends. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, a legendary musical journalist and artist in her own right, Juliana Bowden, and the inimitable good brother, legendary music journalist, journalist and drummer, Mr. A. Scott Galloway. Juliana, Scott, are you back? Hey, Juliana J. Bolden right here. So, so happy to be back in the house. Love Ready having you full here. Effect. What's up, Scott? In the house, baby. What's going on, bro? And I got a, uh, bought some other people, uh, Juliana and Scott. You uh, bought some friends. I got some friends. Uh, we, I, I didn't want you to be alone as the lone sister. You be holding it down, Jules, but uh, I didn't want you to be alone this time. Um, you know, we held you down last time too, but this good sister is a recording engineer in Southern California. She's worked with the likes of legendary producers. Uh, we're going to be talking about Michael Jackson a little bit in just a second, but she's worked with one of his uh, former producers, Mr. Rodney Jerkins. She's also been a recording engineer for Kendrick Lamar's Top Dog Records. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, recording engineer, Octavia Landix. Miss Landix, are you there? Yes, hello. I am. Hello, hello. What's going on? Welcome back. It's been a couple of minutes. 
Good to have you back, Octavia. Bam. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, absolutely. And rounding out this uh, talented all-star panel, this good brother, he and I go way back. Uh, he goes mm. by the name of Third Son. Some people just call him John, but the, the, the good brother is just a cool, low-key, humble, but the cat is super talented. He's uh, currently uh, working on some music right now, probably as we speak. He's with a conglomerate called the Trilaterals that consists of himself, uh, legendary LA DJ Christy Lomax, and of course, legendary DJ DJ Al Jackson. This brother rounds out that trio called the Trilaterals, so be on the lookout for them. He's also a recording engineer who has uh, a Grammy nomination in his back pocket. Uh, this good brother <laughs> is just all that. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Back. Third Son ah. Myers. <laughs> John, what's, what's going up, on? Hey, hey. What's happening? What's happening? Oh, man, so good to hear your voice. Well, Scott, John, Octavia, Juliana, uh, let, let's go a little Bruce Wadeen first. Um, of course, the, the big one comes to mind when I think about this loss. Uh, let me go to Octavia and John first, Scott and Juliana. Um, you two are the recording engineers here. Um, and not that Juliana and Scott probably have not seen their fair share of soundboards, so no disrespect to y'all, but Octavia and John, when you think about somebody of this caliber uh, who's passed on and thinking about the traditions of uh, recording excellence that he leaves for people like John and yourself, Octavia, uh, what do you think about when you think about the career, life, and times of the great Bruce Swedeen, Miss Octavia Landix? Well, you know, firstly, it's, you know, it's such a huge loss, you know, so, you know, definitely like my condolences go out, you know, to him, you know, to his family and everyone in his industry that, you know, was impacted by his work. Um, you know, just his, uh, his contribution, of course, you know, the biggest one that we know of is, you know, Michael Jackson's, you know, Thriller album, you know, I mean, yes. that album, uh, it was just such an imprint uh, sonically, you know, to the contribution of music, yeah. just the way everything sounded. Um, and, you know, back then, um, you know, it, it was the 80s, you know, like 82. And so digital recording um, Wasn't it? had, you, you know, well, <laughs> a, well actually it, it made its way on the scene. It, it, it broke the scene, but he decided that he wanted to record everything analog before mm. running it through the new digital uh, processing that was out. So even, wow. even within that, it still added to uh, the sonics of the album and the way it was, you know, recorded. It was, to me, it was, it was amazing technique, you know. Wow. Um, it still added all that warmth and, and everything. Mm. And then when it went through digitally, you know, you had the, the, the digital experience with the brightness and the processing, so. Wow. Um, I mean, he really did pave, pave the way in how a lot of us think and approach things. Absolutely. John, what yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I remember being young and getting into engineering. He, that was the first engineer I ever heard of was Bruce mm -hmm. Redding. Mm. You know, and that, that he just kind of like shined a light on that kind of field and that kind of career. And uh, I mean, I was interested as a, as a young person getting into engineering. Then as I was reading up into uh, some of his things he's done, I didn't know that he, I guess he found out how to sync two tape machines together. Yeah, yeah, He was the yeah. first person that did that. They called oh, it okay. Funky Sound or something. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, that was then, that was, uh, that was a big ass deal to have 48 <laughs> tracks. I mean, 
you know, <laughs> Octavia know what it is. I mean, it wasn't like a notion. It was more than a notion. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of shit going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of like technologies that had to sync up together yeah. consistently over time and time and time. And, um, you know, that was a feat in itself right there. But and that's I ain't even getting into him, the sonics and, you yeah. know, just the mixing and just the way things sounded. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just well, a big deal. It's a huge deal. Huge loss. Juliana and Scott, uh, they, they were talking about sonically what it sounds like. And I'm wondering um, the degree to which either of you have ever crossed paths with anybody that had the good fortune of being able to work with this cat. Juliana, when you think about the loss of Bruce Wedeen before I go to Scott, Juliana, what are your thoughts? Well, the first thing that I thought about when there was such an outpouring of love for Bruce I was so excited at how much technology has been able to share the kind of information to let people know how important an engineer is to building the sounds Mm -hmm. that we love. Um, You know, like the good brother said, he was one of the first people that he heard of. Um, There are more engineers out there that are getting love because this man created, well, the things that he did created stories compelling enough for people to want to know more about the craft. In my life as an artist, um, the engineer became a star to me because when you walk in that studio, it's not just about I'm coming to sing these lyrics or the drummers coming to like sit down and play this groove. If somebody doesn't sit there like with the care of your mama looking over looking after uh-huh. each track or each yeah. each microphone the placement in the room is mm. the you know is do i have enough of this stuff on the walls to make it sound like this and this and that whatever mm-hmm. these people are on one hand they're technicians and on another hand they are magicians That's and crazy. this complete world that they that he built for each of his records, little beknownst to, you know, us as music fans growing up, I believe, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the world that a person builds, like somebody like Bruce of his caliber, they're probably half of the reason why we fall in love with the records that we do and the artistry that the talent brings mm-hmm. is the other half. Anybody want to fight so, me on that? That's, correct no, that me? sounds about right. That sounds about right. Well, yeah, right now. Right on the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? People, people will like the music and not even know mm-hmm. all the things that went into it that, you know, an engineer like he did. They just know they like the song. They, they I like love the song. song. And, yeah, I, and I can continue yeah. listening to it for 20 years and still mm-hmm. catch nuances and, you know, little things that you missed before. Yeah, it's that, just the you know, art, you know, like art, yeah. you know, in, in years, it's a taste, you know, like when someone, someone like Bruce, you know, what they contribute to an album, you're bringing them on because there is a taste that they bring in it. And it really is like painting, you know, it's like, you, you know, you're adding yes. your art to it. You know, everyone contributes something differently, you know, and, and, and every engineer contributes something differently. You know, I, I love I that. Think, oh, you know. I, I, I think yeah. I'm going to say my favorite world that Bruce ever built with sound to this day is probably Thriller, just because oh. it always feel it just like um, it feels more like Christmas when you hear your favorite Christmas songs. In my mm-hmm. lifetime, it's always it, it's Halloween and time to party when I start to hear. Ah, 
you know, or whatever. Uh, just, just whenever, whenever these, you start to hear those songs, it's time to do that dance. And the reason how come we look forward to like jumping in, doing the thriller. Dance. See, now I'm telling on myself, y'all know I do. I, know this, <laughs> I don't even know what song you were starting to sing, but it sounded good. <laughs> that was thrillers. It became a theremin for us right, right there. Well, it, it just, it, like I said, the, the, the man was responsible for helping to build worlds that I can be, that I could fall into. If, I, if mm. I'm having a bad day and any of those songs come on, I'm taking some place because he built this world for us. You know what, Scott, uh, can you pick up right there? Because the very first time y'all, John, Juliana, Octavia, that I ever had a Scott Galloway on is because I had recently gotten back from Prince's uh, Paisley Park in Minneapolis. And when Juliana mm. talked about that world and when I listened to John and Octavia, Scott talking about the environment and Octavia was talking about the warmth uh, that, you know, the engineers created, um, I can't help but think about being back in that studio. And Scott, I know you've had your fair share of studio tours yourself. Uh, good brother, what are your thoughts on the life and times of uh, Bruce Swedeen? Man, um, as a, before I am a musician, before I am a writer and all those other things, I am just a fan of records. Mm. And when I was reading about, um, you know, some of the things that, that Bruce, because, you know, I'm, I'm not always top of mind of like what engineer did what other than iconic things like Jeff Emmerich with the Beatles or Bruce mm. all the way up to Michael Jackson times. But, you know, this man, I mean, so many things that leaped out of the radio at you, this man recorded. And I'm talking all the way back to Big Girls Don't Cry. I mean, mm. we all know that, boom, 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 cry. I mean, just like, you know, he puts you, what when I, when I wrote about him on Facebook, I said, my opening line was, there's a fundamental fathoms deep difference between recordings that sound good and ones that place you inside of an environment. And, ah. in, and so oh. I'm telling you that oh. Big Girls Don't Cry, a bunch of Eddie Harris records. I mean, you know, jazz things that, you know, Eddie liked to do a lot of experimentation with instruments, electrifying acoustic instruments and brass and, and mixing things like a, a, a saxophone uh, mouthpiece with a trumpet and all this stuff. Mm. And, and Bruce was able to work with, because he had done so much stuff with, you know, straight up jazz, you know, quartet, you know, just miking a band and getting you know the full room sound and all that to dealing with electronics i mean this is we're talking late 60s early 70s and he was right. integrating all of that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. um and then you get to something like old girl by the shy lights and and you think about the wow. way that harmonica was placed and it just puts you on a train ride somewhere you know it's like you're just you know feeling the pain you know and of course mm -hmm. you know that's from Shy Lights and their wonderful vocal harmonies and a great song and a, a whole setup. But, you know, Bruce was able to take that whole story and create the movie in your mind, you know, and, uh -huh. and when you get to Thriller, come on, man, a thrill, the song Thriller is, is something else just from the, you know, the sound effects and the layering of, uh, of, of the instruments and and the breakdown is my favorite part when, you know, after, you know, you have all this the horns and synthesizers and all the just mm -hmm. grandiose things going on. And then Michael just hits that, ow, and it's boom, boom. <laughs> he, I mean, it yeah. just drops. It drops into like, it's like, and, and you're aware. I mean, it's such a dope moment that you are aware of, man, this was recorded so well. But I have to say that my favorite song on Thriller 
the one that really puts me in an environment is uh, human nature. Come and, on. I mean, yes. how did he do that? And he did it again with yeah. George Benson on Starbuck Story. But it's like this, this mm. whirlpool that he drops you into, man. Um, human nature made me feel like I was floating. Floating. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thinking that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. I mean, you know, and all the yeah. elements, you know, I mean, you know, so he, you know, he brought a serious magic to musical recording that was more like motion picture stuff. And, and he was doing it as far back as Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, the Girls Don't Cry, all the way up to the Michael stuff, man. So I had the opportunity to meet him briefly when Quincy Jones uh, put out that record. Uh, I believe it was Q's Juke Joint, and they had a yes. big party at um, the complex. And um, I mean, that that day, a whole bunch of people swirled in my atmosphere that I only got to just look. Joe Zawino, Sarah Vaughn was there. Um, so many folks. Bruce Ooh. was walking around. You know, I mean, these people. And there were so many cool folks and they all knew each other that I didn't get a chance to just, you know, stick my hand out. You know, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to disturb anybody. I was just so happy to be in the presence of all of those folks. Mm. But, um, to, you know, just to wrap it up, man, he, 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 was, he was something else. And um, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, those two other moments I wanted to mention uh, in the rock world, Buddy Miles album. Them changes. Them changes. There's an opening. First song on side two is his version of Down by the River, Neil Young cover. Mm. And and it starts off with this just kind of morning, you know, uh, uh, morning as in, you know, the day beginning. <laughs> and uh, with acoustic guitars and the swirl of, of cymbals. And then out of nowhere, like, I don't know if it's left channel, right channel, this guitar just comes screaming out at you, you know, and I think it was the late great Marlo Henderson. And and the whole way that that guitar just crashes in is is amazing. It's another Bruce uh, Sweetine moment. Mm. And then, you know, when I was growing up in uh, in junior high school, um, the first time, I mean, that I think he really blew me away that I knew of, you know, everything else I kind of learned after the fact, mm. but you guys got to listen to the Brothers Johnson's third album, uh oh. This was right when everything was about space, Star Wars, Close Encounters, da da da. And the way that that album, there's only seven songs on that record, so there's a lot of space. And Bruce really utilized, you know, mm. you know that ability to cram that space with just incredible, mind blowing um, sound. Man, ain't we funkin' now? Blam, Rido Rocket, Mr. Ah. Cool. And Street Wave, which was so dope. I mean, I I, I wrote my, my first page for Urban Network magazine. I, I titled it Street Wave, you know, because that song was just so bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Rhythm, horns, strings, voices, you know, all layered masterfully. So that's that's my humble love and tribute to Bruce Wynn, man. He was he was truly a master from the old school. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever get people like that again. You know, folks that, that you know came up through the complete ranks of recording, you know, from analog and into digital and, and all kind of other mm. things. There's a lot to be said for for the for the folks that that went through all that. And I, and I would defer to the engineers on our panel uh, to to ask if you know you, if it's if you believe it's really possible for musicians. Or, or engineers going forward to really 
get that full range of, of experience to just, you know, no sound inside out if you're basically have only worked in a digital medium. Wow. Uh, Octavia, you want to take uh, that? Uh, or- yeah, I, I, for one, I mean, I, I think that's an, that's a great question. You know, um, I personally, um, think that if you're going to really call yourself an engineer, I don't understand how you would only work in just digital, you know, in terms of like software, I feel like you have to go to the analog gear. You you just have to, you know, um, if you're serious about it, you know, Um, so I personally feel like if, um, and, and I have come across, you know, some people who are trying to break into engineering, but their experience is only just digital, you know, like they've never touched the real, uh, you know, outboard gear or, or some of them, you know, you know, you know, the, the younger, you know, much younger, um, you know, cats and, you know, that, that yeah, the new guys coming in. Yeah. The the new guys is like, they just Mm -hmm. know their computer. They just know the doll, you know, Mm. uh, you know, that they're Mm. working in and, uh, and they're missing out on a lot of, um, of just character, you know, if they're choosing not to actually go through a console, you know, like an actual analog board, like a Neve or SSL or, um, or experiencing all of these plugins that they see on their computer, Mm. that they Mm -hmm. actually never use the physical one. I think that they hinder themselves um, because there's a, there is a, an understanding that you get um, you know, your ears, you know, it's almost like you train your ears. It's just, it's yeah. so, it's so much. And if you don't, I personally, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it, I think it would be hard for them to be able to really get um, the full experience and the appreciation and the science behind being able to put in your ears. Yeah, yeah, science. You know, it's the science of sound. It's it's microphones. It's microphone placement. It's what you know. It's what they can do. How you capture things and Absolutely. and how the air moves around the room. And you know, it's 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 so many things. And uh, I just fear that with all of our great folks getting up to that age where they're getting out of here, you know, how many? I mean, I know there there's there's probably some serious geeks out there that that really mm-hmm. you know have studied that and they're, they're still you know. Um, Abbey Road in, in, in London and there's Electric Lady mm-hmm. still in New York and there's, there's certain places that are still around. Oh, I think we still have Westlake here. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, there have to be people that really know how to work those places. Otherwise, they're just incredible buildings. Yeah, that's a whole you know, other layer of it. It's a whole other layer of engineering. Cause you can have you can have like in my studio, you could be an engineer in my studio and never you know, I don't have live instrument. I don't have like a setup for drums and horns and things like that. So you can mm. call yourself an engineer and never mm. like deal with any of that stuff. Yeah. If you're doing like modern music, you can just, it's all Pro Tools and, you know, Ableton. So that's just a whole another kind of level. Then when you get into, you know, mic and drums and horns and bass and all these, all the people around and mm-hmm. it's, it's another, it's just another level of engineering that, um, it just takes it just takes more than just knowing the computer. 
Yeah. Hey, John. The program. John, I have you know, a on that we'll take um, a break. Uh, yeah, Julie, I'm gonna let you get that in. But is that anything like the difference between Serato and vinyl records? No. No. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Juliana. <laughs> I mean, that was theory, okay. No, that was funny. In theory, but no. I mean, there's just so many. <laughs> it's, it's I know what you're saying, but there's so many other things involved when you okay. have a band and you're trying to mic a band versus having a singer and they brought the song on the disc. It's yeah. just a whole nother world of working. I, I kind of figured that, that that was just me trying to insert my like <laughs> on the Some subject. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. That's y'all. That's you and Octavia's world. You know what I'm saying? I was just trying to. Be uh, Juliana, we're gonna take a break. Uh, what were your thoughts before we take this break? My thought before we take this break is the reason why it's important for us to stay positive and to support all forms of music, you know, whether it's completely electronic or organic human-made instruments and things like that. One of the problems with the record industry is that they really supported bands in the rock world that would require that type of big studio where you couldn't just phone it in with, mm -hmm. um, yeah. with type of computer-based yeah. um, technology. And in the R&B and even hip hop, you know, world to a lot of extent, while every artist is worthy because of their art, whatever it is, investment, the type, the type of investment that it takes to provide resources for people to come in and explore and record and create in environments where you can afford a big console and things mm -hmm. like that the rock world in, in the in the rock world it was like of course you get this this is standard you know right um right. and with, with right. a lot of black artists and black people sometimes we throw our history away and end up cheapening our opportunities to continue these arts so black people mm. have to continue to value playing instruments, not relegating a guitar player as a side man and really looking at the value of a band, not feeling like mm. uh, because your rapper turned 30, he's old, you know? <laughs> and, right, yeah. And, wow. and, and, and just um, blew that out the water, so there you go. Well, man, mm. that's a whole nother uh, Wait, psychotic bump show for a whole nother day, <laughs> Buster. Oh, man, oh yes 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 man so my my point is that for engineers like the the folks we have on the on the on the you know in the room today mm -hmm. we have to value our artists at every single level just like my white friends will basically you know like they're teaching their babies how to brush their teeth how to potty train them and 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 and, and balance a checking account they will make sure that they understand why Paul McCartney is great. You will understand True. in a white household right now why Fleetwood Mac is great. Yes. You 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 will understand our their the, the heroes and I really appreciate people who do the same thing. One of the one of the two of the greatest things that gave me hope for why things like organic engineering is going to stay <laughs> with us. I met a 14-year-old Prince fan that tried to tell me about what about whether or not Sign of the Times or Controversy was actually 
their greatest his greatest collection because she discovered Prince last year on on uh, mm-hmm. on 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 uh, iTunes or Apple Music, and <laughs> I heard like a 18, 19 year old chastise his boy because somebody mentioned something Shaka Khan posted on uh, social media and the young man said, who's Shaka Khan? He turned around and looked at, he said, bruh, who raised you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And there you have it. They still make your kind? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Really? What's going on? So so he, he was like, who's your mama? Right? And look and look genuinely disgusted. So, be, <laughs> so because of young people like that that are going to understand the value of acoustic instrumentation, we have to encourage our techs that are intrinsically curious who are gonna dig and understand the value of analog, that human touch. It's not gonna go anywhere as long as we don't let it. Absolutely. Oh, that's a beautiful note to pivot on. Um before we pivot to uh, Badu, uh, we're talking about Bruce Udin, ladies and gentlemen. That was Juliana J. Bowden. Uh, we heard from A. Scott Galloway, our good brother, John, third son, Myers, and our good sister, Octavia Landix. We are breaking it down, y'all. Um, we can come back and uh, continue because I, I do want to have a, a, an additional thought about Bruce Houdin before we pivot to Mama's Gun. Uh, so stay tuned for more. This is Psychotic Bump School on KCWG, thetruth.com. I'm DJ Rome. We're right back after this. Okay, we are back. KCWG, thetruth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're continuing our tribute to recording engineer, the late and great Bruce Swedeen, uh, recording engineer extraordinaire who passed away on the morning of uh, November 16th, I believe. Uh, he's famous for all the things you've been hearing on this uh, educational panel here from people like Scott, uh, from Big Girls Don't Cry all the way to Michael Jackson's Thriller. Uh, we also have Juliana J. Bowden, musician, artist, MC, writer. We also have John Third Son, Third Son Myers of the Trilaterals. And uh, for his own darn goodness, uh, he's a recording engineer and artist. And we have the good sister Octavia Landix, recording engineer extraordinaire out of Southern California. We got some serious talent on this panel, y'all, with some serious musical bona fides. So y'all don't want to miss the rest of this, because uh, right before we pivot to uh, Mama's Gun, I want to say one last thing about uh, Bruce Whedon. May he rest in eternal power. Uh, Scott, I-, I think I read on your page, uh, and, I- and I confirm this, uh, y'all know he wrote a song with Michael Jackson, right? What song? Mm. Yeah, he has writing credit on, on one of Michael's tunes. Yeah. Which one, Scott? Writing and producing. Producer credit too, I think. Absolutely, I saw a producer credit on something. Yeah, and it's and it's post the Quincy years. It's Jam from Dangerous. Jam. Oh, hey, that's the one he did. The that's the that's the Michael Jordan joint. Exactly. Yeah. Bruce Whedon has a co-writing credit on that with Michael Jackson. So, uh, this guy had a little soul and a little pop to his uh, life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, but look at all the people he worked with. I mean, right, you know, well, he definitely was a lover right. of black music. He loved yeah, black music. Yeah, you can't help but pick it up. Most yeah. And I think the most surprising uh, revelation on Bruce was that he also did Give Me the Night by George Benson. Oh, and yeah. Almost, and when we talked when, last night, yes. when we talked about world, world building, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. I distinctly remember when my parents would put that on, there was this like, this, this, this air, this, this, this 
this powder puff of sophistication used to just yeah. emanate mm -hmm. from the speakers. Right. And it put you in a mood where you just well, in you created like your your whole space to just walk in rhythm with George with the way yeah. that song was rolling. Well, yeah, the whole album, and if you if you have the original pressing of the album on the inner sleeve, they spent a whole side of a page talking about I, I don't ooh, I don't have it right in front of me. I don't know if it's called the Acusonic process or yeah. I mean, they they went <laughs> they went into great, you know, Quint, this was Quincy's first record on his Quest Records label. So they were really pushing the fact that we're taking things to another level. And yeah, the sound of that album, you know, like you look at like the first side of the record, it's four songs, and there's all this space, just like on on Michael's record. But on on uh, George's, I think side two had like five, six songs, whereas Michael's had five. Yeah, so Quincy, George had six, Michael had, anyway, I'm just talking about, you know, what, how they maximized the use of what they had to work with at that time, which was vinyl, mm -hmm. which you really only get 22 minute, whatever it was, of quality sound on a side of a record before things started going downhill. So that's why he put all the bangers on the first side, Gimme the Night, Love Times Love, Off Broadway and Moody's Mood. Those four songs, you know, really had that that serious warmth. And then, you, you know, the other side, yes. you know, all that stuff sounded great too, but they maximized the, the potential for sound reproduction on side one by having, you know, those four tunes and a lot of space in the grooves for it to move you. See, that makes so much sense. And I'm I'm recalling Nights at Juju, John. Uh, I've actually played mm -hmm. the night. Juju! I've yeah. like rocked parties with Give Me the Night. And when you think about the warmth, so Scott, Juliana, Octavia, and John, just imagine being in the studio making that song, Give Me the Night. And you got Rod Temperton who wrote the song, right? Mm -hmm. so Rod Temperton is perhaps, A. Scott Galloway has interviewed a whole bunch of people, but he wouldn't be uh, embarrassed to say he never interviewed Rod Temperton. The cat never gave interviews. But yeah. he was one of those super, super elusive cats from the UK, I think, right, Scott? Yeah, 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 he, he stayed busy. And I mean, he lived in a castle once he made his money, he had a castle. I mean, he was really a different kind of cat, but Quincy talks about him with so much love and so much respect. And, and he he has the stories, you know, to tell you about mm -hmm. Rod's personality, his quirkiness, and how they work together and all that. But no, I never I never got to interview Rod Temperton, man. I wish I could have. Okay, so just for the man, record. And if you're okay. a hero to, to Quincy, you know yeah. you are really a, an essential part of these, these hits. I love oh. how Quincy celebrated everybody that had a part in creating yeah. these monstrous uh, musical masterpieces. And yeah. Bruce was certainly a hero to Quincy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Give Me the Night is definitely... Uh, a masterpiece too. I was listening to it last night in the headphones and it's still like, it still holds up amazingly well. Like mm. everything is still, the layers is, it's just, it's just excellent recording, man. And it's a trip, you know, back then you had 24 tracks and you were always kind of navigating limits. It was limits on everything. You only had <laughs> X amount of tracks. You only had X amount of channels. You only had X amount of reverbs or whatever. So just for them to navigate all that, and the acusonic process was um, adding 24 more tracks to the 24 tracks that people had. So 
I remember that properly. I actually got that name right, Akusan. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I was just, I just was throwing it out there. But see, I it, it had an impact on me. I knew Absolutely. that he had um, a sonic impact. Who knew? Yeah. A sonic impact. But uh, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Octavia. But yeah, it's dope that I, I just. It's a lot of times I listen to songs that I loved as a kid, listen to them now, and be like, oh. That's all they was doing? Or, oh, that's, okay, well, what are they okay. doing? So what are they doing on <laughs> Give Me the Night? Because I want to ask Octavia and you this, because what? how did they create that vocal effect where the vocals sound pushed back, but you got these sisters in the background, and I'll have to look it up to see who's singing the backgrounds on that Eddie song. Eddie Austin. Oh, my God. Quincy, uh, oh, Quincy yeah. Jones' stable mate. I mean, a stalwart. I mean, of course. Patty Austin, who all right, of course, tonight, all that stuff, mm -hmm. layered. We probably should That's layers, yeah. Because Bruce Sweden was layering vocals back then, kind of oh, before yeah. other. But people how do they were. push them back like that, John? Because it's like they sound like they're they're. It sounds they were like, back. They, they was, were back. He would have them do one track on the mic and then take a few steps back and mm -hmm. do it again. Mm -hmm. Then take a few steps back and do it again. So that's what gave yeah. that choir kind of sound. Oh. So they just emulated the choir sound. <gasps> Hey. And they had the tracks to do it because he had 48 tracks. Normally you only had 24. So mm -hmm. you didn't have you didn't have enough tracks to do that type of thing. You only had a few. But when you wow. get 24 more or 20 more, you got some room to have 12 tracks of vocals or Man. something. You know, which you couldn't do. That was you couldn't do that then. Most people couldn't Tape. do that. Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford it. You couldn't had to buy two it. tapes. You right. had to have two tape machines in the room. You know, it was just a lot of the, the board had to be big enough to accommodate 48 channels. You know, wow. they all wasn't. You got to have Quincy Jones and some budget. You got to have some <laughs> money. You got to have some money. Absolutely. Yep. That was the I top can't imagine what it took to sync, sync analog tape machines in order to finish your record. Yeah. Wow. That's magic. Well, yeah, every time you rewind and play, you had to wait for both of the machines to sync up. Think up. Year, so, yeah. Wow. And you had to get it right. And, you had to <laughs> right. No pressure. and they had to continue to work. <laughs> it couldn't <laughs> overheat. Right. Couldn't overheat. Wow. That those are the days where they had razor razor blades to, to yes. cut the tape and do all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Well, no, um, and no undo, I should add. Right. No undo. no undo. I can't imagine a world without Control Z. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> especially, if, especially, you know, looking at some of these, you know, how big, you know, sessions are now, you know, you know, you're, you know, if you're like working with a record label or whatever, and you're, you know, getting all of these, you know, instruments, you know, it's just like I couldn't, I can't imagine trying to do all this live to tape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would lose my mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's Bruce Wedeen, y'all. May he rest in power. Analog girl in a digital world is who we're talking about next. Because hey. uh, 20 years ago, almost to the day, um, the release of Mama's Gun came out. It was her sophomore release after the incredible success of Baduism. Actually, it was her third album because the live album came out after Baduism that uh, featured, of course, the classic uh, Tyrone and uh, live version, that is. Uh, Mama's Gun dropped and uh, it just is just, it's withstood the test of time. 
And people, I happened to wake up yesterday and it was already trending on Twitter uh, first thing in the morning, Mama's Gun, Erica, uh, Erica Badu. So my God, to go from Bruce Wedeen to uh, uh, the, the music of Erica Badu, that's not really that big of a stretch when you think about it because uh, the Soulquarians and that whole sound was created by somebody that was sitting in on all those sessions and making all that magic or helping to co-facilitate anyway, all of those uh, magical elements coming together. So uh, who wants to take the first swing at giving some heartbeat props to the 20th anniversary of Erica Badu's Mama's Gun? Who's got the guts to step up and take that? <laughs> I say ladies first. Ladies oh. first. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll take that. One right of the on. things about yeah, Mama's Gun, uh, I'm, I don't, I actually don't have a whole lot of super, super specific things to say about each song on Mama's Gun as a collective of, you know, that that it's a classic. That's that's a foregone conclusion. Mm -hmm. What is striking to me on Mama's Gun is the personnel. We're talking yeah. about any any time you have. Put this way, if you're an artist, it's really good to be friends with the roots because what happens when you end up in sessions with, you know, Quest Thompson and everybody in that whole crew is, is nothing short of magic. And sure. her relationship with them um, was just one of the many things that you know, we love them for as far as what they've been able to create aside from being a band. But also Betty Wright, I believe, and uh -huh. Danby, uh, Jack DeJanette. Yes. yes. Uh, there was a song on there featuring Stephen Marley. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say that as compelling as an artist as she is by her damn self. Come on. The people that she works with uh, she also celebrates and she's always got great people around her and I think that even fans when you go to see her live you can see why she's a person that really uses herself as well as her voice as an instrument it feels like a part of the band even though she's very much a solo artist mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I'm able to appreciate about her uh, just as the person who's able to use her whole self as an instrument and everybody mm -hmm. and, and, and appreciate everybody that is a part of, of her world. And those are just, those are just some of the people that appear on mama's gun. Wow. How about that? Octavia. Oh man, pressure. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, mama's gun. You know, I remember when I, when I first heard that album, like I just, played it over and over and over and mm -hmm. over like for you know just I was like oh my god like, this album is so amazing and you know looking back now you know 20 years later it's just it just stands the test of time like you know something I really appreciate um you know of course we know uh, Erica Badu is just you know like she's just um timeless you know to my opinion um with her approach to everything and especially the just the the musicianship um caliber that 
she brings in all in all of her all of her music and i'm I'm a big fan of like soul music and jazz music mm-hmm. and you know what i mean like you know i played and all of that so i have such a huge appreciation i i love live music to begin with you know i just do so um you know the storytelling on it um even the name of the titles like you know i just remember ah. um looking at some of the titles on this record and, you know, I was just like, you know, what's the name of this song? Like, like, like Orange Moon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was just like, you know, like it, it to me, it's just like, there's a story when you li- listening to, to this album, mm-hmm. I felt like I could just imagine, like, there's so many colors that I see. And um, it's just like, a, you're taking on this journey mm-hmm. to me, you know, listening to this album. And I mean, I, I mean, it's only, I don't know what else to say, but like, it's just a, it, to me, it's a monument, you know, of, of, of Erica's. And I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, gonna, it's gonna be known for, you know, the next 20 years and 20 years after that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she said a monument to the album. And I think we would be remiss without mentioning that on some of the most compelling selections they were also jd is credited on here producing yeah so we definitely gotta like Mm -hmm. yeah we we, we gotta pour pour out a little sonic liquor for um, yeah mr producer absolutely Mm -hmm. didn't you know the second single yeah didn't you know that's one of my favorite ones on there and yeah jd produced that with uh with Badu on there and this is all yeah. Aquarians just like you were saying the personnel involved on that record is yes. just that's the top-notch folks right there to have them all in the room together all in the room you, gotta, you know and just that's thinking magic. another shout out absolutely another shout out for Juju real quick and Dami that uh Juliana mentioned a moment ago she was a background singer she's one of those afro wearing sisters that was in the bag lady video singing back up with she and uh Yazara who's another um uh, West Coast uh, artist. Uh, she's not there originally, but you know she's she's traveled those circles quite a bit. But in Dombey, I saw her open for Bilal uh, several years ago. So uh, so many. She is outstanding. On she her is own. outstanding. Make sure you all check out her solo uh, material if you've yes. never checked out in Danby's solo material. Yes, mm. yes, absolutely. You got Pino Palladino, bass player extraordinaire who plays with D'Angelo. You got. Poiser, James Poiser. Poiser. You yep. got Isaac Hayes. You got um, uh, Roy Ayers himself. You got, uh, yep. I'm tripping right now uh, before I hand it further to Scott and uh, John. I- I'm tripping right now, John, because uh, Green Eyes is, has long been touted as the standout track from that album. It's a 10 minute masterpiece that she actually performed in uh, illustrious fashion on NPR's Tiny Desk. And if anyone has <laughs> not seen it, I haven't I seen her. Watch it. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. She only did like two songs, I think, and she did the entire version of Green Eyes, which of course mm-hmm. was a tribute to uh, her relationship to uh, Andre 3000 of Outkast. And okay. um, yeah, uh, I'm tripping right now, John, because I'm looking at the writer's credit. It's actually co-credited to Erica Badu, James Poyser, and the one and only Victor Duplay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I saw that too, I, and I didn't. I'm know like, that. what? I had no idea. Vic co-wrote that? I mean, no, I mean, I'm not no surprised because Vic Vic got skills. You know, he he's a friend, so I'm not hating. But 
I'm like, that's a beautiful freaking song. And mm-hmm. I, I just didn't realize the, the range of uh, talent that just came together on that particular track. Green Eyes, a standout on Mama's Gun. A. Scott Galloway, your thoughts? And, uh, you know, I, I loved when Erica Badu made her debut because um, she just brought a whole nother level of depth and, uh, and, and Blackness and culture to what was going on uh, in that early 90s time period, you know, for, for R&B. I mean, she just came out of nowhere and, and mm-hmm. grabbed everybody's imagination. I remember when she came to our office at Urban Network and she had on her, you know, her gown and, you know, her head wrap and, you know, she walked in, kicked off her shoes and was, you know, signing stuff for everybody and talking. And she grabbed my coworker, Tasha, has these kind of like cheeks, you know, chubby little cheeks. And, and Erica came over and, and uh, just, yeah, she really was so personable and just such a, a, a spirit, you know. And, mm. and I, I remember seeing her perform uh, the Badu, uh, Baduism album from top to bottom at the Key Club in, uh, mm. in Hollywood. And just the whole vibe with the incense and the, the tea, yes. you know, and the band. And to your point, and Don be back there with the afro, you could not miss her. You knew she was going to be stepping out at some yep. point because she just drawing, you know, her own level of focus. But, you know, um, moving from Baduism to Mama's Gun, it was like a lot of people, including Erica, in hindsight, felt like, you know, she had come so deep that first time around that um, it, it was such a cerebral record, even though it was grounded in such warm, you know, inviting music and everything that she questioned if she had gone too far intellectual, you know, mm-hmm. and and Mama's Gun, after her having her first uh, child, uh, seven, I guess, his son with uh, right. who you were talking about before, the, uh, Andre from Outcast, you know, obviously, uh, changed her life tremendously and and uh, she got back and, and gave us a record that was a lot more personal and introspective and um uh and and wise in another way just more like wise in the ways of 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 new life and new experiences and things whereas the first record is kind of like yeah you know I've, I've studied and i know some things and i'm gonna drop some knowledge on you and i'm dope and i got some old fusion thing happening but Mama's Gun, oh my God, man. You know, my favorite song on that album is, uh, um, uh, yeah, let me look it up. It's um, Take Your Time, Young Man. It's, 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 it's like, it's almost like a, um, a song that she had uh, created as words specifically for her, for her son. For her son. Take Your Time is what it is. Take Your Time, Young Man. Um, Oh my God, it, it, it just, it, it was so intimate and so schooling and, and motherly and, um, and, and just incredible because he just was able to bring together so many different elements of, of what it is, what it will always be, to be black, you know, to be a, a black woman of conscience, um, yeah. who celebrate the union of, of black family and you know but also you know the pam Greer aspects of i'm a black woman and i'm not going to take any shit or all that you know mm-hmm. and and to all be fun that. fun with booty you know she could still you know like you said post tyrone she said let me let me you know i am uh, an earth 
therapist too. You know, I mean, I am from the hood. I can tell, I can, you know, move in that world as well. It, it was just, it was, it's a, it's a really great record. And I also love the way that um, I think what Juliana was saying, it's, it's, it, no, Octavia was saying it, it's a whole experience. There's, it doesn't stop. You know, there's segues, yeah. instrumental segues, moving you through things. There's jazz, there's R&B, there's Africa, there's Caribbean in there. And, uh, and she's just really celebrating our culture more than anything and, and trying to uplift us and remind us of where we came from, who we are, and that all of that stuff is dope, you know, from the most good things about us to the most elevated things about us. You know, we are a deep people. And that's what I really appreciated about Erica Badu overall. But, um, you know, and she went on to do more great stuff. But yeah, I think it's great that people are really celebrating this album and the transition that she made so quickly from Baduism to Mama's Gun. Because I think, you know, I'm sure that Kidar uh, Entertainment and, and Mo, uh, she was on Motown yet, so it's like through Universal MCA. I'm sure they just wanted another Baduism and she did not. Well, yeah. She and did a whole, she went that. a whole nother direction. And, um, and, I don't know. I was reading that she thought that uh, because it didn't sell as well as Baduism that it, it had yeah. been a failure. But I never looked at her as you know she wasn't a Mariah Carey or or a Whitney uh -huh. Houston where you know you're expecting multi multi million copies of albums sold. You know I think she sold the first million because she was so unique. You know right. it was such a great experience, and I'm glad that she continued on her road to being nothing but and unapologetically herself. That's right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what stood out for me as I was listening to you, Scott, we, we got a couple minutes left. Um, it reminded me of your take on uh, when Tina Marie did uh, Irons in the Fire, how mm. they, they wanted her to play it safe, but she took some chances with uh, Irons in the Fire, as did uh, Badu with this one. Because as you said, they probably wanted another Baduism. But as soon as you turn on Mama's Gun, she's opening with uh, a rocked out jam called Penitentiary Philosophy. She's like, no, nah, this, no, nah, player, that, that, that ain't what's going down on this one. This is Mama's Gun. Funkadelic, <laughs> baby. Funkadelic. And she and had. And that's the second album. So she was in yeah. the sophomore, you know, looking at the sophomore slump situation. Absolutely. You know, having those nerves. Yep. Yep. You know, so to yep. go in that direction. I mean, when, when you think about. Strong. She's already <laughs> shutting Joy down. It's like, okay, Joy, I see you coming. I see you coming, but I, I mean, got that too. <laughs> yeah. But you saw what happened with before her generation was uh, Terrence Trent Darby. He was not able to recapture the initial magic of that hardline album and he mm -hmm. went like in a completely different direction it doesn't always work you know what i'm saying i mean commercially but as an artistic statement if it's a solid piece of work it will definitely withstand the test of time well i tell you uh, uh one last thing for me about uh mama's gun and i thank you so much all, all four of y'all for your takes on this um i remember you know John, I keep reflecting back to my time down in Southern California. I was sitting in the KCRW studios with Garth Trinidad and the great producer King Britt was in the studio with us. King Britt is the producer for the Diggable Planets back in the day. Uh, cool like that, just mm -hmm. in case you, you youngins don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> King Britt and I were sitting in the studio. Garth Trinidad was hosting his show and he put on Green Eyes and he said, this is the best track on the album. And, of course, a few years have gone by since the album came out, but it was just one of those sleeper tracks that you have to really sit and listen to it and listen to the story and just listen to all the mood shifts 
And I, I just recall, you know, the standout thing for me in that moment was Garth kind of looked at him, you know, as he, we were just all vibing to the music. And then we were conversating as the song was playing, but then there was a moment there was just silence and the song was playing. And then Garth kind of frowned a little bit and turned to King Britt. He's like, wait, this is on Mama's Gun? And Britt said, yeah, man, I'm I told you it's the deepest track on the album, best song on the album. It's about Andre, bro. She, she came with it. So yeah. I have to say that um, it, it's an amazing album. And uh, one more thing about Dilla. Um, I had a chance to meet Dilla once in my entire life. Uh, one of the great photographers in Southern California, Nathan Israel, uh, had the uh, temerity and generosity just randomly. I didn't even know who was there. Uh, venue we were playing at one night, John, and he just took me over to the table and said, hey, mm. uh, this is DJ Rome, uh, one of the best DJs in LA. I'm not saying I'm worthy of that praise, but I'm just saying that was incredibly generous of him. Uh, I met nice. Dilla. Uh, I met Dilla. Dilla, uh, the wow. legendary beat maker, straight out of Amp Fiddler and P-Funk. Um, mm -hmm. Tribe Called Quest and all that stuff. Without Dilla, uh, we wouldn't be talking about Erica Badu's Mama's Gun. This is this yep. is Dilla track. Didn't you know? Just just lit it up. So, uh, Rome, you know say, what you're uh, hitting on there is ahead, that dude. greatness is generous. Sure, greatness yeah. greatness is generous. Scott just told us a story about this artist coming into the office, squeezing somebody's cheeks, and let me tell you something. As a alumni of you know record magazines and trades and things like that a lot of artists they they they, they come in they want to make sure they know who you are excuse me that you know who they are and there's not a lot of spirits that can take time to like squeeze some you know to, to, to even notice people in the room other than themselves and for you to wow. be noticed mm -hmm. by a great person who is like this is one of the best djs in la sort of thing even if a person doesn't necessarily mean it on a deep level, just taking the time to acknowledge others possesses a sense of, I, I feel, a appreciation that we don't always get from some folks who might achieve the same level of notoriety or they might achieve some fleeting financial uh, success. Greatness yeah. that lives on is so generous that it actually forgets itself sometimes. That's why she probably didn't value mama's gun 20 years ago, the way that we value it now. I'm yeah. just glad that she's here to get her flowers and to dance in them and smell them and all of those things. Well, on that note, beautiful. Uh, I really yeah. appreciate your kind, beautiful words. Uh, that was the incredible Juliana J. Bolden. Uh, that was the incomparable John, third son Myers. We have the amazing recording engineer, Octavia Landix and the inimitable good brother, legendary musical journalist and drummer, Mr. A. Scott Galloway. We've been paying tribute to Bruce Swedeen and Erica Badu's Mama's Gun 20th anniversary release. Thanks, y'all. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. Stay tuned for more, y'all. We're right back after this.